Good evening, everyone. I welcome you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, good to be here on Sunday evening with you, and I'm happy to uh, I'll go ahead and announce the men up front with me. i got Brother Justin on my right, who's an elder, who is going to bring the invocation. Behind me is uh, my uh, Brother Vanderswell and... Uh, Brother Vanderswell has been with me. We've known him quite a while now. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you know his grandmother. His grandmother thought a lot of that boy. And she talked a lot about him. And But I met him at several uh, Woodbine reunions. I've known him for quite a while now. He's a fine man. He's a, he's a uh, priest. And he'll bring him the spoken word. I'm glad to see his father here with us. I'm glad he was able to stay. I understand his mother had to go back. She had a prior commitment, but she was there. And it's always good to see you again. Um, I'm going to open this with scripture this morning, or this afternoon, this evening. I guess I'm about 12 hours too late there, aren't I? It is evening. It's terrible to get old. You lose your mind. You lose your eyes. You lose just about everything. Then you gain all kinds of pains and sufferings. So, not a good deal to get old. I uh, find the right place there. I'm going to read out of John. And uh, I'm going to start with John 14th chapter. The 16th verse. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, you shall live also. At the day you shall know me, and I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keep them, he is that loved me, he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself unto him. We'll uh, continue your service with singing hymn number 453. I didn't want to just you wrong. Hymn number 453.
Father and our God. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would approach your throne. And Lord, we would do so in humility and meekness, seeking a blessing, a rich blessing, Lord, a blessing which we can take with us, which will become a part of us as we go back into the world to testify and to witness of you. And Lord, I would offer up before you this congregation. As each one is gathered here, Lord, they have done so with an expectancy, with a desire, and with hope and joy within their heart, for you are the reason they are here. And so, Lord, I would ask now that you would please, would you please forgive us of our sins? Would you make us pure and whole before you now? I would ask that your angels would be present and that your Holy Ghost would minister unto each one here. I pray, Lord, that our hearts might be made ready, that you would bless those who will bring ministry through music and through the spoken word. I pray for my brother Josh. Lord, I pray that your Holy Ghost will inspire him and bless him. That as he opens his mouth, that those words which you have brought to him will proceed forth and that your spirit will carry them into our hearts and that they will sink deep within our souls and resonate within us. Lord, we seek the word of life and we pray that you might provide now for us. Won't you please bless each one here. Please bless each one who has a, has a desire to be here but cannot. For there are many, Lord, who are upon our hearts and minds. And we are mindful of them and we know that they do not escape you and your vision. And so, Lord, will you have your way with us this night? Will you please Bless your servant as he stands. And please bless our young sister as she provides that ministry through the piano. Thank you, Almighty God, for your son, for his life and his sacrifice, and for this gospel. May all the praise, honor, and glory be thine forever and ever, O God. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I would pray. Amen. Good evening. For my opening scripture, I would like to read out of 2 Timothy. And reading out of uh, the third chapter. Beginning at the first verse. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with driven lusts. 
ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We'll continue with hymn number 399. 399. How is your faith? <clears throat> How strong is your faith? I had, a, <clears throat> I had a couple friends back home in Iowa while I was there, and they asked me that question. It kind of took me off guard a little bit because not a lot of people will ask me that. And I thought to myself, um, well, what kind of an answer can I give them? I mean, I believe, obviously, in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. There's no question about that. <clears throat> but there's obviously times where we struggle. And my friend kind of corrected the question a little bit, and he said, I'm not necessarily asking if you believe in Jesus Christ. I'm asking how are you proclaiming that to the world? And he said, do you, feel strugg- do you struggle at times? And I say, of course I do. And do you feel sluggish? Do you have days that you're just feeling like it's not there? 
the faith is just not there. And I thought a little bit more about, you know, where does my faith come from? Does it necessarily come from the church? Does it come from others around me? Does it come from my personal relationship with the Lord, from prayer and testimonies that I have in my life? Where does it come from necessarily? And so in preparation for tonight, I <clears throat> was digging a little bit into uh, 1 Corinthians, if you'd like to turn with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at uh, verse 1, and it says, I, brethren... When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your face should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I thought a little bit more about that, and I've heard over the years, uh, Arthur Oakman, I've heard lots of different testimonies over the years that are mentioned. We were just mentioned this morning um, from Mike's um, sermon this morning, and there's a lot of testimonies out there that we can learn from. And I thought about, is my faith rooted in something that somebody else tells me, or is that something that I actually know and true, truly believe? And for many of us, I think there's days that we probably question that. In James, if you'd like to turn again with me, uh, chapter 1. I can turn to there. Starting at verse 20, it says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, wherefore lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I'll read that last verse again. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Stand before you, I am a guilty man. I think a lot of us are. Where we hear testimonies, we'll preach about different things that happen in our lives, but how many of us are actively doing that in our lives? How many of us are taking the words out of the good word here and going out into the world and actually doing something with it? It's, it's more of a reflection on myself, but it's a challenge to think about for yourselves as well. Continuing on in verse 23, it says, For if any... Be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of, of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed indeed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the vices of the world. We talk about having the fullness of the gospel a lot. And there's lots of different opportunities for us to obviously share our testimonies, but I found so many times where I wonder, why is this church dying? Why is this church struggling? 
why do I struggle in my personal life? Is it a lack of faith? Is it a lack of knowledge? Is it, a, is it just a lack of confidence? I don't know. And um, I'm not saying I definitely don't have the answer, but recently I was on a business trip to Maine, and I was out there for about a week or so. And um, one of our COOs, she was out there with us, and um, over the course of a few days, I got to know her a little bit better versus Zoom calls and meetings. You don't really get to know people over a call like that. And um, anyway, it was Friday, and um, the rest of the team that had, vis- had been visiting the lab out there with us had gone home. And uh, it was just her and I that had gone out. We were leaving Saturday morning. And uh, we were out for supper that evening, and um, she asked me some kind of open-ended questions, you know, what are my goals in life, what do I want to do, and on a professional side and a personal side. And I gave her some answers, you know, generic ones I'd probably give to a lot of different people if they asked me, you know, what are your goals? Well, I want to get married, obviously. I bought a house recently, you know, just material things um, is, is included in that as well. And she, s- she said, hold on a second. I didn't ask you that. You give that answer to everybody. I want to know something more about you. And I said, well, that's pretty much what I tell people. And she said kind of a profound statement. And normally when I hear this and people will say, don't take offense to this, normally that perks up my ears a little bit. And I tend to think, okay, this is probably going to offend me. Um, She said to me, the day you stop caring about what others what other people think about you will be the day that you succeed. I'll say that again. The day you stop caring about what, others peop- what other people think of you will be the day you succeed. I tend to be a people pleaser sometimes. I, I worry too much about what my, my folks think of me. I worry about what, um, you know, just even recently while we were painting the house, I was worried that they wouldn't like the colors that I chose and stuff like that. And I worry about that too often when I'm out in public, in public spaces. I'm worried about, you know, am I performing in a certain way? If I'm, you know, just the other night when I was playing volleyball, I was worried about, oh, am I going to mess up on this play? You know, I was self-conscious of different things. And I think a lot of people worry about that. And um, when I was thinking more about this, how can I kind of tie this a little bit more together? And in John um, chapter Chapter 4, if you'd like to turn there with me. This is a very well-known story. Um, This is the woman at the well. And as I kind of read through this, um, I'm going to add a few things as I read through each of the verses. And to give a little bit of context, this is obviously Jesus with his disciples, and he's walking through Galilee, and he decides that he wants to go through Samaria. And so, starting at verse 7, it says, Then he cometh to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground which Jacob gave to his son Joseph, the place where Jacob's well was. And ironically, as I was reading this, maybe not ironically, God works in amazing ways. I had just finished uh, Genesis. I'm on a challenge to read one chapter of the Bible every day to finish it. Anyway, this just kind of perked up my ears when I read that. And now Jesus, verse 8 says, being weary with his journey, it being about the sixth hour, sat down on the well. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. Now his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Wherefore, he being alone, the woman of Samaria said unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew 
asketh drink of me, who am a woman of Samaria. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She gives a little bit of, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of attitude in this verse, saying, why are you asking me of this? Because I'm a Samaritan, you have no right to talk to me. And Jesus answered again in verse 12, or replied to her and says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give to me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who who gave us this well? and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever shall drink of this well shall thirst again. But whatsoever, or whosoever drinketh of this water, which I shall, be, shall give him, shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be in the well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said well, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he knew, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that said, Thou truly, so Jesus basically calls her out and says, you've had five affairs with five different men. And the woman said unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She kind of changes her tone a little bit after not knowing who Jesus is and understanding that well, maybe he has something to this, what he's actually saying. And then in verse 22, it says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Yea, worship ye know not what salvation, what we know, what we worship, and salvation is of the Jews. And the hour cometh now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship them. For unto such hath God promised the Spirit, and they who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, who is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I speak with unto thee am the Messiah. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? This is a great example. Jesus basically sets the example where the disciples say, why are you talking to this woman? A woman that has had five affairs and is out in the middle of the day, obviously she's an outcast to society. And Jesus didn't care, obviously. And as you continue on, it says, the woman then left her water, water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all these things that I have done, ever done. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him, and in the meantime his disciples prayed, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye, may, that ye know of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him meat to eat? He wasn't talking about meat in the physical sense. And in 36, Jesus said unto them, My meat is, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Say not there are there are yet four months, 
then come harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And then the last verse I'm going to read, and he said, reapeth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both who soweth and and he who reapeth may rejoice together. How is your faith? I'm going to ask that question a couple more times throughout this. Jesus had the opportunity to witness to this woman, and he did in in a pretty staunch way, I would say, calling her out in in front of, uh, you know, obviously of what she had done. One thing that I struggle with in my life, and maybe this is relatable to you guys, is humbleness. I I struggle with that in a lot of ways. I worry too much about... um, how people are going to perceive me. I mean, even recently with me purchasing my house, I was thinking in the back of my mind, you know, is this okay? You know, is this presentable to people? Is this going to <coughs> portray that <coughs> I have money or I don't have money or something like that? And I was worried about that. And as I was preparing and I was thinking about, you know, how is my faith? Why do I necessarily care what other people think? Why am I not actively sharing my faith? In Matthew 18, it says um, pretty clearly, and this called me out very easily. Matthew 18, verse 1, it said, At the same time when the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him. And set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A a little story that came to mind, and um, it's kind of ironic that my dad is here. He probably remembers this. I was at the Woodbine reunion. I don't know how old I was necessarily, probably around 10 years old, something like that. And I don't know what I had gotten into, but I was probably in some poison ivy or maybe some poison oak or something like that, and I got a really bad rash all over my sides and my back. And um, my mom had given me some cream and stuff, and it wasn't taking the pain away or anything. And when I had... uh, asked to be administered to, there was not a shred of doubt that I was going to be healed of that. And I was. I was healed immediately. The rash stopped itching the moment that we got done with the administration. And today, (laughs) when I call on the elders to come administer to me, I doubt myself. I don't even think about being healed whatever it is in the physical sense or in the spiritual sense, I don't think about that. I just, I worry about the perception of others. I worry about, you know, is it my lack of faith? Is it because I'm struggling in my personal life that God is not blessing me? How strong is your faith? I just mentioned that I finished the book of Genesis and there's uh, quite a few main characters, if you want to say that, in our religion. And Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Noah, you can name a bunch of different characters in Genesis, and they were not the brightest of men. Not all of them were. They weren't always uh, 
most faithful men either. There were men that were, look at Adam right from the very beginning, was a man that failed ultimately and was tempted by sin. We worry about what others are thinking about us. Think about the people in the Bible, and there's obviously other scriptures that we can point to, but why are we worried about that? In James uh, chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I think a lot of us struggle with that from time to time. We say that we want to pray, we, we, we actively pray, but are we actually opening our hearts? I struggle with that on a, quite a few occasions. And um, recently, uh, my, my company had gone through a little bit of a restructure, and, um, meaning that we moved around some of the higher-ups and even some of the um, people below. And um, some things had been changing, obviously, in our company. And uh, right before we were uh, just coming into uh, the sanctuary, uh, while we were meeting in the back, um, we were talking there about you know how our leaders and stuff in this um, in the world are failing us in many ways. But we ultimately have the the faith and understanding that Christ is there for us in the end. In Matthew uh, 28, I'll read from here. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's pretty pretty easily said that God is always with us. And even though that we struggle and we understand that our faith is something that we have to work on every day, I think that it's important for us to keep in mind that none of us are perfect. And uh, just like the sermon, obviously I'm fumbling through some things and trying to come up with the words of what I'm supposed to be covering with you this evening, but I think that the message is pretty clear that without our faith and without reassurance and understanding that Christ is there with us, we're all going to struggle, and we all need to seek him in every way that we work in our lives, in our personal lives, every opportunity. So I thank you. Thank you, Josh. <clears throat> it's true, we all like faith sometimes, don't we? We will uh, conclude the service of singing hymn number 329, 329, after which I'll bring benediction. Hymn 329.
O God, the eternal Heavenly Father, it's truly a pleasure and joy to come to your house of worship, house of prayer, house of peace, house of joy, on this Sunday evening to hear the spoken word of a young man that has grown up in the church and made it become a believer and has learned that faith that you have us all to teach us all. And I would pray that faith would uh, increase in, in the days to come. <clears throat> I'd pray that we'd all remember that uh, we are just but children in the kingdom of thy heavenly Father. And it is much and wonderful things to give us and show us. And that that faith will increase as the time goes on. And we'll never get uh, tired of listening to that joy and happiness that comes from the Holy Spirit that it tunes our heart and gives us hope and joy in this world, a sin-sick world that has much need for the hope that we have in us. And may we share all that which you have given us, Father, that that Spirit would uh, reach out to all those we come in contact with, that we might become closer and closer to Thee, and they relearned of You, that they would know that our uh, Savior, the Lord Jesus, is coming again soon. And that he will redeem his city Zion, that we will have opportunity to uh, live in a wonderful and joyful kingdom close to that which is in heaven. Father, I ask that you go with these people to their homes, that they might uh, receive that spirit and continue with it in the spirit, and share with others that they come in contact with all those good words that uh, are in the scriptures. And may they study and learn of the, the wonderful things that you have uh, provided for their the people in the past and look forward to in the future. Father, thank you for all your great mercy and grace and, and your continued watch care over our people. And we ask you in the holy and blessed name of thy Son, Jesus the Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.